This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argo Life. By the time you're listening to this, the voting for the Football Content Awards will have closed. But just another huge thank you for every single one of you that voted for us. We've come a long way since the reboot. And even if we don't win, it means a lot to see all the support. Anyway, on to the football. The boys bounce back as Blackburn are beaten by three. A beauty from Cundall sticking in the boot to JDT. Superior facilities count for nothing. But that's exactly what Rovers go home with as Hardy and Finn pile in. We'll discuss the win over Rovers and, of course, the arrival of big Mustafa Bundu. Sitting down to join me this week are Joe Bell. How's things? Uh, yeah, I'm incredibly sunburnt. Um, I'm a little bit fragile after a few celebrations last night. I've spent all day at Plymouth Cricket Club umpiring a game of cricket with some legends of Plymouth, the Plymouth Cricket Circle, from your, your Dave Petherbridges to your Martin Gills to your Gavin Joneses. It was a plethora, a who's who of Plymouth cricket today. So, um, yeah, very sunburnt, a little bit hungover, but we're here, Aaron, and we are ready to talk ball. Some huge names of Plymouth cricket there, of which mm. I've heard of none. Um, so that's a good that's a good start. I promised them I'd give them a plug, so there they go. Oh, what, they're listeners? Well, in that case... They are listeners, and they all voted for us as well. Oh, brilliant. Well, in that case, I've heard of all of them, and they're all brilliant. Very good yeah. at cricket. Um, I hear there's a video of you doing karaoke doing the rounds that we're yet to see. No, there there really isn't. And uh, if there is such a video, it will never be publicised. Continuing the introductions in last name alphabetical order, Sam Down, how's things? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, I've not had such an exciting weekend to go. I did have a few drinks last night, but I was uh, working this morning, so I couldn't go too mad. But yeah, work this morning. Just feet up watching the F1 and then the football this afternoon. Just a nice, relaxed Sunday. Nice. And Dan Ellard, all good? Yeah, very good. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm actually... Uh, Dan obviously didn't do anything for this weekend, but I'm freshly back from Felixstowe, where um, Argyle women lost 7-1. Well, Dan was having some of the drinks with me, so I don't know if he remembers that, at least. What drinks? 
a boozy, <laughs> a boozy weekend all round. And as Joe would add, always drink responsibly. Dan, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, gladly. Um, I was going to chuck in a line about facilities, but you know, I see you've already got that one in. Niall Ennis was injured so much at uh, Argyle because of our facilities, wasn't that John Darrell Thomason's line? And um, and and Sam, why, why was he why was he not in Blackburn's squad yesterday? Because he was injured. Funny that. Yeah, maybe he hasn't had enough time with their good facilities for that, or something like that. But anyway, a funny old game, really. I am amazed that Blackburn scored nil just because, well, they they couldn't finish their dinner, could they? I, I've struggled to remember a game where, you know, so many highly presentable chances uh, came their way due to mostly horrific finishing, uh, but a little bit of really good last-ditch defending as well um, by our two centre-backs resulted in them, yeah, not scoring. And it's a, it's a, it's a clean sheet in the book, not the... Not the most solid clean sheet we'll ever have, but it's, you know, they all count. Ten minutes in, it was looking like a bit of a horror show, wasn't it? With the glaring miss, I think it was Hedges, wasn't it, who missed the absolute sitter early on. How he missed it. Like, it was one of those where he just kind of looked like he just comfortably sent Hazard the wrong way. He kind of turned away like, yeah, this is just nestling in the bottom corner. And then I, I can't believe that he missed it. Really can't. But, you know, generally they were all over us first ten. We tried to press them really, really high, like right up to their, you know, right up to, you know, their their penalty area, really, pressing the goalkeeper. And I think we could perhaps have done with dropping back into a bit more of mid-block rather than going full press, just because they were playing through our press really, really well. And as a result, beating the press and then being able to, you know, drag defenders out of position or just run at our back line, uh, which resulted in quite a few chances for them early on. I think if we'd just been a little bit more kind of selective in our pressing, that would have negated that. But that said, after that, it seemed to be a kind of combination of Blackburn being quite sloppy with their passing. Um, but I'll also give us some credit with whether, you know, maybe our pressing got better. Um, so we continued that kind of really aggressive high press in it. You know, it, it worked to the extent that we got ourselves a lot more back into the game to the point where when Azaz's goal went in, yep, yeah, there's a fortunate one with the deflection, but I think, you know, we'll, we'll take it. And I think it was maybe not a deserved lead at halftime, but, you know, I think we'd got ourselves right back into the game and it was it was competitive, uh, which it certainly wasn't in the first 10 minutes. It was one way traffic, really. Yeah, again, second half, more kind of aggressive subs in terms of, you know, um, Randall and Azaz, who you kind of describe as an 8 and a 10, you know, kind of taking them off and bringing basically two 10s on in Cundall and Callum Wright. But again, we seem to have reasonable control of the midfield um, at points in the second half. Although I still think we were so, so open at 1-0. And I, I did say to someone last night, it's, it's, um, it's almost like to use a cricket term, it's a little bit like baseball, isn't it? We're just so full on and so aggressive in the way that we play. Uh, sometimes it'll work, sometimes it won't. Obviously, it didn't the last couple of games and it could easily have not worked again yesterday, but it did. And it's maybe that's the way that we get the most out of the squad that we've got. So I'm not going to criticise Shui for, you know, Deploying that is certainly exciting to watch. A bit nervy, but it's very exciting. I don't think it's a it's a keeper howler from pairs for the second. Uh, maybe could have pushed it further away, but whatever. And then obviously very much a howler for the third, but great finish from Cundall. And it's it's three points. A brilliant start to the season. Seven points from five games. 
every single game is a challenge at this level. So to come out of them with, with seven points is a really, really good start. Obviously, further challenges to come, but let's see how we go. You're on mute. Oh, it helps if I unmute. Yes. Sam, anything to add there? <laughs> now I'm muted, yeah. I'm <laughs> having a great start. Anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. Broadly agree with Dan's assessment of that game. Over the 90 minutes, you, uh, uh, we, we could maybe just about say we deserved the win just because the last 20, 25, Blackburn completely folded like a pack of cards. We had, um, as, as Joe mentioned, one of our sort of infamous 15, 20 minute spells where we just blow, blow a team out of the water. Um, obviously, we, we got the got the second goal from, from a lovely bit of play from Condor. Good shot from Callum Wright, parried away. Maybe Keeper could have done better to tip it to the side rather than straight back out. But Hardy, it still wasn't an easy finish. You had the defender right on him. Um, you've definitely seen those miss, but he finished well. Um, and, and, then the, and then the goal itself, the Condor goal, I, I was impressed when I watched it in real time. And I was even more impressed when I watched it back. That's, that's such a difficult finish. How often do you see that whereby when a keeper does make a bit of a gaff like that and, and just sort of um, heads it out or flicks it out and it falls to a player, how often do you see a player either A, shoot and it goes high and wide or B, bottle shooting because they don't feel confident that they can get a good shot away? You see it so often and, and to see that whereby the player is just complete composure and just almost scooped it into the net because I initially thought it wasn't going in, I thought it was going too high but then I just saw it dip in and I was obviously... Uh, celebrating at that point but yeah re- really really good finish um and i think on balance maybe if you're looking purely at kind of xg you could say a draw was fair but i think overall you could very much say we deserve the win look did three three nil flatter us absolutely of course it did um, i don't think anyone would dispute that at all but we, we did play we did play well in our attacking phase of play um, I really, really like Luke Cundall. I think he's got a lot about him. After being um, a bit of a Jordan Houghton moaner for two years, I know we did a pod for all of those two years, but I just want to say what, what a fantastic game he had again yesterday, completely controlled the midfield. And for me, was our man of the match. I know Plegafuelo got the sponsors and, and the fans vote, um, but for me, it was it was Houghton. I think he was just so controlling of, of the game, didn't miss a thing. And on, on a game where it was, it was actually two counter-attacking teams against another, you know, it, 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 and I think it was probably the first time it was really like that. I think Huddersfield, but maybe they were, maybe they were also a bit counter-attacking, but they sat in. Watford very much tried to control the game. Southampton were very possession-based. This was one where it was two teams most comfortable playing counter. Um, absolutely, clearly the case. And it was, it was very end-to-end. It was like a basketball game, you know. When one attack finished for one team, it was straight up the other end to have another attack for another team. There weren't many phases of slow and patient build at play from either side. And and, and yeah, we, we were just more clinical. We, we were just more clinical. And after walking away from the Southampton, Birmingham and even Palace games, thinking, yeah, you know, how great we played, but we just, you know, the other team just had that little bit more quality in the final third. How great it was that we were the team walking away, having shown that more, bit more quality in the final third. I'm very happy that we did. Yeah, we can't really put too much more meat onto the bones than what's already been said. I thought of our performances this season, it was probably our worst. Um, I thought we we did we weren't able to retain possession anywhere near as much as we'd have liked across the whole game. It wasn't just the first half; it was across the whole game. Um, Dan Dan is spot on that that Blackburn had well Blackburn should have been three 0 up by the time we scored. Um, the obvious chances the hedges miss. You had the Gallagher header. 
um, which he has to do so much better with. And I think there was another one where it was a little bit of a tougher chance, but where Gallagher slid in towards the post, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, I mean, I disagree with the term that people have said that Blackburn are the best side we've played this season because I don't think they were. Because again, I thought, you know, as much as they exploited our weak points and made us look silly at times we did exactly the same to them I thought you know Southampton for me are still the best team that we've probably played they carried a much better it sounds strange given I should I'm saying that Blackburn should have been 3-0 up but I thought Southampton carried more of a threat than Blackburn but it's refreshing isn't it the last three league games we've been beaten by Birmingham City we've been beaten by um, Southampton and we've got a point at Watford so we've got one point out of nine and yet here we've managed to be second best for a chunk of the game and we've got a clean sheet and three goals. Seven goals in three games at home is a massive plus. Um, Ryan Hardy, four goals in five appearances, massive plus. Um, hopefully now that will well and truly shut everyone up who criticises him because I'm bored of banging that drum. And yeah, I mean, there's other things that I'd like to talk about that we'll probably come on to later. But as a whole, as a summary of the game, it wasn't pretty. It was end-to-end. It was scrappy. There wasn't a massive amount of quality on the show at times. Um, but who cares? You know, with three points, three goals. See you later, JDT. Yeah, exactly. Not um, not best uh, performance of the season, but we, we get the points. And I know, especially Dan, you said before about, you know, points over performances at this point in the season, which is all good. One change, I think, Sam, you've already mentioned him. So, obviously, Plegothuelo coming in for uh, Dan Scar. Just how good was he on his full league debut? I know you've already said that you'd rather, you'd give Houghton the man of the match. But, Joe, you seem to want to jump in. No, I just want to put my uh, two pennies worth in before the other two lads speak about this. So, If it's, if it's going to be the question about uh, being harsh on Scar, which I'm about to ask you after Sam's done his piece, then... Crap. No. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna be purely um Plegwazelo just for two seconds. Um I'll be I'll be openly honest, I was amazed that he was given the man of the match award um inside Home Park yesterday. And I don't mean amazed in the fact that I thought he had a poor game. And it it concerns me a little bit because we've already seen on social media that Plegwazelo is the he's the apple of the green army's eye at the moment. You know, everyone loves Pleggy. I think he's a brilliant footballer. And this has happened before with players where the Green Army have such an affection towards them. I do sometimes think it clouds judgment and perhaps they don't quite see it for what it is. Now, I should stress, I'm not saying that Pleguazelo was poor yesterday. I thought he had a very good game, but I've just seen a one-minute video on social media telling me how good he is and I mean it's all routine stuff that he's doing essentially there was a step over that he did I think it was Schmodix in the in the um towards the Devonport end in the first half he sort of sold Schmodix a dummy and then carried the ball forward well it was actually him overplaying it a little bit that got him into that trouble in the first place I think he's very good I thought he got better as the game went on but I will save my next bit for your question after what Sam says about Plegozalo. But my only point is that I just don't want it to be where we have a player where everyone can't see wrong in anything that he does and it clouds their judgment. Because we've had this before with people and that's what causes division. 
Um, I think he's a very good player. But for me, when I was thinking of man of the match, Pleguizela wasn't even in my thinking. The only thing I will add to that is that the man of the match vote is normally just two other sponsors want to meet. So I wouldn't read too much into that because, you know. What about, all, what about all social media polls that have been put out since the game? Who got man of the match? Um, depends which one you consult. If you look at ours on Twitter, Pleguizela. If you look at ours on uh, Facebook, I think it's Kane Kessler Hayden. What about the club's player of the match? Know. It would be yeah, Pleguizela. Don't care about the club's content. We do our own man of the match polls. Um, I, I've obviously well asked this question. Got a decent interject. What does that I, I, well, listen. I absolutely agree with almost all of what Joe said. And I think that's probably a bit annoying because I think normally when there's a bit of a contrarian view, you only want one person to be the contrarian but, and, then, and then the rest kind of argue the common view. But obviously that, I'm being a bit sarcastic saying that, but in reality, I do completely agree with that. Um, I, I think he had a fine game. He had some promising moments for sure, like the little dummy of, of, of Schmoiditz, like, like we said earlier. I just think he, he made a few too many little errors for me to consider man of match. I think he had a... He had a, I'm not saying he had a bad game. I think he probably had about a six out of 10 game because he had some very good moments, but he had some ropey moments. Blackburn had had so many chances. And when the team had so many chances in good central areas, you maybe have to ask a little bit of a question of the centre-backs. Um, Gibson, I think, less so to blame because one, because the chances generally came down the right side more than the left. And two, because Gibson stopped one of those chances with a fantastic last ditch block second half. Um, I just think for... Some of the one for the for the two one on one chances, the one early on and the one in the second half where he just sort of ballooned it over the bar. On both of those chances, it, it, it's kind of Pegasuela who lost his man, who was a little bit out of position, who was a little bit. And, and look, I know that this is a very fluid shape, and and we we expect to be out of position to some extent because we're not a rigid team. The fullbacks come inside, the centre backs advance up. We play a high line. I get all that, so it's not. It, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying that he's necessarily than anything outside of his instructions there. But I, I just think of the two, it was him who was caught more than Gibson. I think he had a decent game. He played some balls out of the fence very well. He read a lot of balls coming to him and intercepted them very well. He did that fine. But I think there were really some areas whereby maybe a little bit of a lack of concentration by him or him being a little bit too far out of position cost us very good chances that we were lucky Blackburn didn't score. Um, in truth, and I'm sure it's going to be clipped up by Aaron and I'm going to be PAFC Twitter are going to be giving me pelters tomorrow. I hope so. I honestly thought he was one of our weaker players of the 11. Not that he had a bad game, but maybe very clear. I think he had a, like probably a 6 out of 10 game with some good moments and some ropey moments. Clearly a very good player in there. Clearly a lot, a lot to work on. But for me, quite a few, few players were ahead of the man of the match, in my humble opinion. Well, it's good that we've won 3 0 and we're, uh, we're nitpicking. Uh, Dan, n- name, name a player that, that you thought exceeded. Uh, I was going to give this question to Sam, but I think his Jordan Houghton loving will go on and make the podcast <laughs> two hours long. I think we've had enough uh, chat about Pleguazelo. A player that exceeded yesterday. Yeah. Um, who, would, who would you have given Man of the Match to? I, I think I went. I think I went Plagathuelo as well, but you know, him or him or Houghton or quite a few others would have been um worthy winners. Um but in terms of a player that exceeded, I am gonna go for Luke Cundall. Um his technical ability I think is excellent. 
for this level, looking at looking at what he's done so far. Um, I think some some final third quality in both the home, both the last two home league games and perhaps a bit of decision making as well is there to come. But um I think he's a he's a really good player. And I think when you're being pressed, uh when you don't have a lot of time on the ball, as our two kind of more advanced midfielders often don't, or when breaking out from a press to then a, to then advance the ball, you've got to be technically really, really good um to get out of those tight spots. And I think hit him and Azaz both show it. But I think Kundal in particular is a really, really good technical centre mid. Um and the decision making um and the way we like to play i think will will come in in time as well you know he hasn't been here that long um so i'm really looking forward to seeing more from him i think uh, which i think we will yeah i i thought yesterday was another example of just good performance from him um and a and a really good goal as well nice moving on to the goals then a few chances fell for blackburn sam how did Blackburn not take the lead? Obviously, uh, Hedges has to score there, right? Surely. I think, off the top of my head, and not asking you before, do you, do you not think that's the worst miss at home park since Chris Porter's? Oh. Since. I don't I don't think it was even in the ballpark of Chris Porter's. I know you said since, but I think that Chris Porter one was just like a one-in-a-generation miss. Like, that's the kind the kind you I think that's up there with that infamous... Chris Simulumu missed for Scotland that everybody, you know, talks about it. And, and the old um, 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 Ronnie Rosenthal missed for people of an older generation. But I, I think it's probably, I think always with this, I hesitate to say this because it's recently biased and there probably would have been an awful miss like about two years ago in a totally innocuous game that everyone's forgotten about. But uh, yeah, it was a bad miss. And out of all of Blackwood's chances, that was the one that was just the worst miss. Because I think the Gallagher header, you're, you're thinking, okay, you can do better, but it's not an absolute howler. For the Gibson block one, you're thinking, okay, that's just a really, really good block more than anything else. And for the one-on-one in the second half, where he sort of balloons it over uh, at the Barn Park end, again, that's also not a great miss. But with that one, actually really credit Hazard for coming out, spreading his arms and making himself big and just not giving him as much of the goal to aim for to the point where he has to try and sort of try and scoop it over Hazard and ends up scooping it over the bar. So yeah, for that, for that one in the second half, you you give uh, some credit to, to Connor Hazard at least. Um, it was a really bad miss, that early one. There's no two ways about it. He's got space. There's nobody really near him. He's on his stronger foot. He's got time to pick his shot. Um, Hazard, Hazard gets sent the wrong way, so the, the keeper isn't really too much of a a problem, and he just can't. He just can't find the goal. Um, it's it, it's just a, whether it's a, like a bit of red mist to the head, or whether he's just not got his touch right, or you know the old excuse maybe there was a bit of a divot in the pitch. Who knows? But it's a really really bad miss, and we we got lucky because you know and the old saying goes, "What gap that goes in, it's a totally different game." Because then after the run of form we were going into, if we take that, you know, if, if that Blackburn take that lead early on, I think the Fans will get a bit twitchy or maybe start getting on the players' backs a bit like they can sometimes do when run a bad run of form. And, uh, maybe we still would have found a way to win the game, I don't know, but it would have been a totally, totally different complexion of the game. And thankfully, that bit of luck went our way because we really needed it to. Didn't Azaz open the scoring? And I, I don't want this to turn into a negative podcast after <laughs> some of the comments about Pegrazolo. I'm not saying they were negative. They were constructive, I'm sure. But he still seems a little off 
compared to his performances that we know and we love of him. Joe, how do we get the best out of Finazaz in this system? It just takes time. He's not a pre-season. He, you know, he's, you can see that he's still a little bit off the pace of everyone else. So just give it time. That, that That's the answer. I'm not going to waffle on. Just give him time. Um, he'll be fine. Um, but once he's up to speed, I'm sure we'll see a different player. Well, I'm going to be a bit more bit positive, um, give a bit of a positivity to the podcast. I yes. I don't think he really was off yesterday. He had a couple of passes that didn't quite reach their target, but I think that's literally anybody playing that role in our system is going to have that. Rand- Randall had the same. Um, even even uh, Kundal, when he came on, had the same. I, I think because the, the very much the tactical directive from Schumacher and the coaching staff is play risky passes. Don't just go for the same five-yard pass. Go for the ball over the top. Go for the ball through two or three players and, and attempt it. So I actually think that that's had a really good game. Um, and he, in all of our, even could, could even before we went on the lap, even when Blackburn were dominating the game, even then we still looked quite dangerous on the counter. And every time it was as as he was involved in the counter attack, um, finding space, passing into space. So I think, yeah, maybe one or two little bits that weren't quite right. But I think that I don't think that's down to him not having a pre-season, I think that's just down to the, the nature of the role in our system. So I would actually vouch that Azad's had a pretty good game and the only reason we brought him off was to get fresher legs on rather than because he was doing anything wrong. Yeah, I just I just want to clarify, I didn't think he had a bad game at all. I just, you know, we've seen performances from him where he is a cut above and it's like, how do we how do we get him back to that Azaz rather than, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he had a bad game uh, on Saturday, put him back in League One. That's how you're getting well, the cut Because Championship defenders are a lot bloody better. That's my, that's probably what. Yeah, yeah, true. That might be it. Uh, obviously, Ryan Hardy's up to four for the season now. Three of those coming at home park. If he keeps up this rate, he'll bag thirty six point eight this season. Um, that'd be a good amount. I'd like to see him get a point eight. Dan, we'll get on to our new signing in a bit, but surely he swept aside any doubts that he can perform at this level. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he did miss three or four chances in the first half yesterday as well, which were either not great finishes or just didn't quite get his first touch right to put him, push him a bit further wide or whatever. But I think a huge credit to the work rate, the shift he puts in every week, often up there on his own. Uh, we are good at getting numbers up to support him, it has to be said. But, you know, he still has to do a lot of chasing and pressing and 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 running off the ball to create space for others as well, which he does fantastically well. And it's difficult to dispute four goals in five games is is fantastic. Hopefully he can keep that up. But also I think you have to credit the the chance creation. Um, you know, the, our midfield, our wing back, uh, our full backs and our just our overall system, the way we are set up is is very good at creating chances at the minute. And therefore, provided that Hardy or or you know, if Wayne comes in or Bundu comes in. If they can get on the end of them, they'll score goals. Undo. Yeah, we'll get on to uh, Mustafa in a bit. How, how many? How many do you envisage uh, Hardy getting this season? I'd love to see him get thirty-six, but realistically, if he if he can get up near twenty, that'd be fantastic. And you know what? Let's say this is kind of going into hypotheticals. Let's say he's on. You know, he's got to a dozen or more in January. I think. Probably from an analytical point of view, you know, the the analyst team would probably go, no, there are better championship strikers that we should, you know, chuck our money at. But let's say a bit of a stupid, I'm, I'm thinking Everton's the, the one that's come to mind, a bit of a stupid Premier League club that's desperate and wants to just chuck some money 
at a championship striker that's scoring goals. We could we could have, you know, an Everton or a Wolves or someone like that just just madly chuck money at Ryan Hardy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if um if if that happened. I'd be surprised if he gets a move to Everton, but fair play to him if he does. Oh, a rogue question that I didn't write down. Joe, we've got the international break coming up next. What more does Hardy need to do to get a Scotland call-up? Do you think he deserves one? I sort of understand what Shiri said in the press. Maybe Steve Clark. Is it still Steve Clark, the Scotland manager? Is he still is he still there? Maybe he he just needs to see Hardy score goals at a higher level than what he has done. Um, because Scotland are obviously ambitious in where they want to go. You know, they, they want to get back to qualifying for major tournaments. So, um, yeah, if Hardy continues on his goal-scoring form through September, you can't tell me in the October international break that he wouldn't have not just knocked on Steve Clark's door, but Christ, he must be smashing it down because he's certainly putting pressure on whichever centre-forwards Scotland have at the moment. Another, another goal-related uh, question for you, Sam. Obviously, two... Beautiful goals. I stupidly tweeted that it was a worldie. Uh, it's not a worldie. It's a beauty. Two beautiful goals for Luke Cundall in as many games after Ainsley Pears gets a lost in no man's land, shall we say. Where does that goal rank in this season's goal of the season competition? Above or below Mumbers, Mumbers against Huddersfield has to be the... I think it is still just below Mumbers against Huddersfield because that was such an incredible effort. Um... I think it. I think it was fantastic. Well, I kind of already answered it in my earlier, but I was raving about it in my general overview. It was just a fantastic goal. How many times do you see those four and it not go in? Far more times than, than it does go in. You see it. You see it get messed up from there. Um, he, he did really well. Like as Dan said, his, his technique is absolutely brilliant. Um, he, the way he picks up the first touch, the way he holds on to the ball, the way he moves to the ball, it is all fantastic. Sometimes his decision making on the final ball, and to a lesser extent, sometimes the execution of the final ball can be a little bit hit and miss. But he is a young player and he's learning the playoff system. If he continues, you know, the, the rate of improvement he's already shown since his first game, and, and continues to show that brilliant technique, I think we could have an absolutely ridiculous player here on loan. And I think he could could go on to play at a Premier League regular. He's still really young, isn't he? By the way, he's still is he twenty one? I think. Mm. So blimey, he, he he could without a doubt be a Premier League regular, in my opinion, because he's he's absolute quality. Um, it was yeah, goal of the season wise, I'm um, not quite as good as the the number one, but but probably a close second. Hey, if um if that Randall one had if he decided to shoot rather than pass after he'd Randall late to the pitch, um, then I think that from Adam Randall would have overtaken Mumba. But unfortunately, I think he probably made the wrong decision to pass rather than shoot. Yeah, Dan, I think uh, all three of you summed it up in your intro, so this doesn't have to be a long answer, but obviously a deflection, a rebound and a goalkeeping mistake make up the three opportunities that we took. How mad is it that on another day that we only take a point or or worse, lose that game? Highly possible. Very much, very much so. You know, it was, a, as Sam alluded to, I don't think it was a 3-0 game. And... To and also to kind of follow up on what Shuey said, in that um, the previous two home performances were probably better. Um, I'd I'd probably go with that. Coming back to what you said about points versus performance, um, it is good that we can not be at our best and win three nils. Three nils, obviously extreme, but to win when you're not at your best is 
always a good thing. The players, once again, put so much into it. You saw Gibson collapsed at full time. Whitaker collapsed at full time. They are putting so much into it. It's a it's a very aggressive style of play, you know, high pressing, really kind of quick counter attacking as well. It requires a level of a lot of running. It's um it's understandable that they were knackered on a warm day as well. Whilst it whilst we could easily be sitting here analysing a, a frustrating two one loss or something where we've and now we're five four points from five games and it's all looking a bit shaky. We didn't because that quality shone through. Exactly. Joe. Ref watch. I I need to be a little bit calmer when I'm watching a game of football um, because I, I personally thought that the three officials on the pitch didn't have a clue what was going on for most of the afternoon. Having said that, I thought the referee got the call on the potential penalty for Sammy Schmodix in the first half absolutely spot on. Um, I thought it was an unbelievable tackle by Plague Bazalo. So he got that right, but there were three or four incidents where Blackburn got in behind. Um, and you could see clearly it's offside and the flags weren't going up. Referee didn't really want to get involved with booking players. Um, I understand that, you know, he doesn't want it all to be about him. But I mean, two or three really cynical fouls in the game from both sides, not just from Blackburn, um, went unpunished. Um, it's just really frustrating because the other the other thing that frustrates me is the lack of inconsistency when it comes to these new rules that everyone's supposed to be abiding by about timekeeping and things. Because you know you got one on one hand you got a referee who enforces it and is hot on it, and then let's be frank about it, Connor Hazard was taking the mick a little bit at times yesterday. The referee he made a point about it briefly in the first half but then didn't get involved at all in the second half. And you're thinking, well, if you're going to be consistent, you've got to carry it through the whole game. So again, it's it's nothing important. It's all trivial stuff that I'm moaning about. Um, but you just want to see a bit better consistency from these officials. I would probably say that he definitely wasn't the worst we've had this season, but equally, I, I'd be a little bit nervy if he was to return to home park. Talking of uh, timekeeping, anything else to add on Blackburn before we move on? I mean, my my only point, as Sam and Dan have all alluded to, is I I met a few Blackburn fans whilst out on my um, jaunt to the Barbican last night, um, and I managed to have a, a good conversation with a with a family actually, um, you know, and and they they were a little bit surprised that we thought it was our worst performance of the season. Um, so I guess that's testament to how well we're playing. Um, but look, it was 3-0 was flattering on Argo. Um, I think had that game finished 1-1 or 2-1 or 2-2 or something, we probably nobody would have been able to complain. Um, but 3-0 is a little bit, I'd imagine it's a little bit of a kick in the teeth. Um, but maybe it's time to, for them to upgrade their facilities for the second half of the season. Lovely. It's always good to get a facilities-based joke in there. I think three of us have managed it. We'll see if Sam can manage it by the end. I, I, I think it's been exhausting. Well, I'm sorry, the one other thing I just want to say on is, and I know it's going to sound a bit of a, you know, um, a, or maybe sound a bit small time, like, oh, you know, we're so happy to be here. But I just want to say again, every single game in the Championship and the Palace Cup game, it's just such a pleasure that in terms of the quality of football to watch compared to League One from both teams. I think, you know, barring maybe the very best League One teams last season, Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday along with us, 
none of the teams we played last season have been on a par with the five teams we played so far. It's been such a, le- a big leap up. And in all five of them, I've come away thinking, you know, the other t- even Huddersfield, I've come away thinking the other team have had their moments. We've had our moments as well. And in, all, in genuinely all five of those games, I've, I've come away thinking it could have gone one way or the other. And I think in a way it's 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 good because I, because at the end of the day football is you know of course, of course we care about results but what is football first first and foremost um, in terms of what draws people into the sport to begin with it's an entertainment business yes we as diehard fans probably will care more about the result than getting entertained but the, the value of this to draw people in who are coming for the first time or who are you know previously casual fans who are getting more hooked. Seeing the, 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 the sheer enjoyment of the end-to-end football and the quality of games is absolutely fantastic and long may it continue. And I think as long as we're not in any danger of going down or not in any big danger of going down, I don't think I'm going to be too bothered about results this season. I think I'm just going to enjoy going to games, enjoy watching the, enjoy watching the free-flowing football from both teams. And, and just as long as we win, it, we win enough of them that we're not within, you know, four or five points or fewer of the relegation zone for most of the year. Then I'll, then I'll be absolutely chuffed a bit of that. And yeah, like I say, long may it continue. Nice. Let's call that a break. And when we come back, we'll do the Twitter question, transfer window and any other business. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, We understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Moving on to the Twitter questions then. I've not pre-screenshotted these, so I'm just going to pick them at random. Well, there's quite a few about the Plegozalo, um gibson scar debate. So Dave Searle asks, who would you start a centre-back? Who would be your pairing? Thomas Kent asks, would a back four of Hayden, Gibson, Scar and Plegozalo work? And Harry McSheffrey asks, do you think that one performance from Plegozalo deserves him being in the starting lineup every week for the next few fixtures? Uh, I can't see Macca or Galloway even getting much football this season. So that all combined, Joe, answer those three questions in one answer. I'll answer the third question for you. Um, I put it to everyone that by the time that everyone's back fit, our back four may look like Kane, Kessler, Hayden at right back, Scar slash Plegrizalo slash Gibson slash Galloway in the middle and Macaulay Gillespie at left back. Um, that's a thought I've had, whether or not that's radical um, or outrageous, I don't know. The other two boys and everyone on social media and Pasotti and free chat, wherever, can determine that for their own right. Um, the second question, no, I don't think that performance alone is a determining right that he should be playing every week. I think Schumacher has explained his reasonings pretty well as to why Plegozalo played this fixture. Um you know, they will analyse Preston's win against Stoke City and their other results 
um, and determine who the best pairing is going to deep dale in a fortnight. Um, and the first question was about what again, Aaron? Sorry. Uh, good question. Who would you start as a centre back pairing? So, say you're in charge for Preston. Who are you starting? Not knowing how Preston play, because I've just said you know they'll make the decision off what Preston have done and what their threats are. Um, I would probably suggest we might go back to Gibson and Scar, but that's that's just my gut feeling. Um, but then again, we've all played Shuey Roulette and we've all had our fingers burnt, so I don't play it anymore, do I? That that is half the problem is that that. Now I look at the lineup, I'm always like, oh, that's surprising. And then it works. So I need to just basically stop doubting it. Sam's basically already answered this one. So I'll come to you, Dan. What surprised you the most from the step up from, the, from League One to the Championship so far? That's a question from Michael. I'd probably say it's the, I think it's the pace of the level. You know, maybe it's, it's kind of, shown in the extreme because of the way that we play in terms of very kind of aggressive pressing and then kind of wildly chucking numbers forward on a counter-attack. But it does seem that in quite a few games, you know, it's it's like, you know, players have been really kind of flagging after 70 minutes, just and not because of, you know, I don't think that's due to lack of fitness or, or effort or anything like that. It's just because they have to exert so much into um, getting up both ends of the pitch. I think that, yeah, the, the tempo of games is, is really high, often in League One. And maybe it's just because, you know, we were a good team in League One and teams would often just sit in a low block, try and take their chances and just try and make it quite cagey. Whereas now, maybe because we're a smaller fish at this level, teams will come and have a go at us. Um, so, yeah, it's possibly that. But I, I just feel like there is a lot more... There's a lot more running and a lot a lot higher tempo to games. And it's, it's, as Sam said, it's a really, really good watch. So that's probably what I'd say to that. There's a question that I bookmarked for Sam, but he's basically answered it in the last three pods anyway about uh, Gossie just says, I think uh, Houghton needs a mention. Is he better in the championship than League One? I think you answered that last week, Sam, and basically said yes. So I'll give you this one because you remember facts and figures and players, transfers and fees. Uh, Jack Leslie, who's basically a Patreon member at this point, uh, it seems to get a question read out every week. Says, um, has there been two better pickups on freeze than Gibson and Pegwazelo in our recent history? For me, they are a cross above. He also says there might actually have been some slight conversation for Gibson before anybody starts. Yeah, um, well, before I answer that question, which I will answer, I want to say actually to Jack Ledley, in I probably would take back slightly my comments last week about oh. our set piece, um, our set piece numbers being about average for League One. I think I had a deeper look at the figures. Um, a, few, a few people kindly pointed out to me on Twitter that actually they were... Yeah, well, wait, come on. <laughs> come on. It, 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 no, it they all, were. They were. I'm just all, laughing. It was all um, collegiate. Um, and, 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 yeah, and I think our figures were below average. And as a, as, a, as a raw figure and as a percentage of our overall goals, they were actually the lowest in the league for set-piece goals. Now, obviously, that's because we scored so many goals from other areas. But even in terms of um, pure numbers, they, it was still much nearer the bottom than, than the top. So I would take back what I said uh, slightly and say that maybe, yes, we could still look at getting a set-piece coach. But to answer, so after having re-answered Jack's question last week, I'll now attempt to answer his question from this week, um, which is to say, I still think that's very early to say that about Plegasvelo because he has only had one game. And as I kind of alluded to earlier, whilst I think he had a good enough game, I don't think the performance he put in was quite as, as brilliant as 
um, social media is seemingly lauding it as being. Um, Gibson, absolutely. Lewis Gibson on a free transfer is seriously, seriously good business. It's the fact that he he played in League One last season and seemingly went a bit under the radar. Like, I don't remember, you know, as somebody who occasionally imbibes in a little bit of, um, you know, lower league fan media, um, hello to Mr. Ellick and Maxwell, if you're listening. Um, you, you, we're all big fans together. John's not here this week, so I can say that truthfully. Um, <laughs> but as, as someone who does, you know, follow lower league and follow what people are saying, he wasn't a player who would ever really on my radar. I think if you'd have asked at the end of last season who Lewis Gibson played for, I think I would have struggled to tell you to ask. I think I think I might have I might have maybe said Bristol Rovers just because I was vaguely aware that he was he was a player out on loan somewhere. But I don't think I would have had in any way uh, a strong knowledge of him at all. Um, and as somebody who seemingly crept a bit under the radar in League One last season, he's just been absolutely brilliant. I think he's been up there with Houghton as as level pegging for our, our best player so far this season. Um, listen, a player for you, maybe he will prove to also be as good of a free transfer, but. But Gibson is, is absolutely brilliant. I think Joe described him on a couple of podcasts ago as well, the best defenders we've had of recent times, or all words to that effect. If I'm if I'm misquoting, I apologise, but words to that effect. And and yeah, I just couldn't agree more. I think it is still very early days. And I think he he made a couple of errors at Birmingham, as I alluded to on last week's pod. That aside, I just think he he is showing every sign of being our best centre back since Marcel's type. He 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 he's got it all apart from one thing. He, he can win headers brilliantly. He can win tackles brilliantly. He can get himself into enough of an interception area that he doesn't need to win tackles a lot of the time. But when he does need to, he can do them as well. He can play the ball out from the fence fantastically. He's got almost everything you want from the centre-back. And they almost think he's not the quickest. And I think if we were to switch to a back three, putting him on the, the far end of a back three might be a little bit of a difficulty against quick wingers because I just think the pace could be turned a bit. But in a back four, or even if you were to play, you know, if Scar were to be out of contention, even if you were to play in the middle of a back three, um, yeah, absolutely could be a absolutely could be fantastic there as well. Um, I just can't be positive enough about Gibson. I think he's been a real pleasant surprise. Not that I expect him to be bad, to be clear, but you know, he, out of all the signings you looked at, he wasn't the one who really stood out as being a wow signing, and he really has in reality been a wow signing. So. Let's just hope it continues with him. Absolutely brilliant player. Talking of signings, uh, the transfer window slammed shut. Transfer window always slams, it never creaks. Uh, slammed shut last Friday. However, there was still time to sneak one more in as Mustafa Bundu signs on a two-year deal from Anderlecht. Dan, thoughts on our new man? It appears to be more of a winger than a striker, though, no? Quite possibly, which isn't a bad thing in that. I think whilst we've got reasonable depth uh, in the wide slots in our system, you could say about, you know, strength in depth, given that it's it's Mikel Miller, who's obviously injury prone. It's Tyreek Wright, who struggled at League One level last season. And it's Freddie Asaka, who, as brilliantly promising as the as the kid is, he's still a kid. So, Or Callum Wright out of position. Yeah, or pushing Kessler, maybe even pushing Kessler Hayden forward, something like that. It's it's not ideal. So I think um, it's it's a good addition to kind of have someone who can play wide, um, but also um, a bit of a kind of physical, pacey addition to what we have up front as well. You have to say it's not as if we're in desperate need of a of a 
a kind of quality first choice striker, given that Hardy's got four and five games. And also, you have to say, Wayne's got three and two in the cup as well. So, you know, that's a good sign for him too. Um, but I do think it will really help us, this signing, with... Um, it was notice- noticeable in the Southampton game when Hardy had just, you know, ran ran and ran and ran and on the 70-minute mark, we needed to make that change. And when we're sitting quite deep, um, when we do have to, you know, when a strike is a bit more isolated, um, Wayne was kind of running around but just struggling to make an impact. So I think this addition will really help in in having an option off the bench who is physical um, and can hopefully hold the ball up and bring us into play if we have gone deep um, and need to get back up the pitch again, because that's what we really struggled with towards the end in that Southampton game. Um, that said, Wayne, I think, did a good job off the bench on Saturday. Will he be the kind of go-to sub or will Bundu? I don't know. Um yeah, it's, it's certainly a very interesting signing that no one saw coming. I think, but it's a it's a could be you know could be a very good one. Um, if you look at you know what kind of the reputation that he has, it's perhaps not you know spellbinding. But I'm at this point where I'll basically just back Shuey and the, our recruitment team to get it right because they have done so often um, in the two years that he's been here. Joe, quick quiz. How many players can you name that have played for both Nuki and Anderlecht? One. Bundu. <laughs> Big Mustafa. Uh, initial thoughts on on Mustafa? His, his clips online, I'll, I'll be honest, they don't fill me with confidence. But obviously, as we mentioned in the group chat, it has a bit of a cult hero status about it, this one. But also, I will back that up with the fact that the recruitment team have a history of taking players from you know, bang average spells and making them look like brilliant pickups. What are your initial thoughts? Uh, I've absolutely know nothing about him. Um, I'm not going to proclaim to know anything about him, what his skills and his talents are. Um, but hey, if if the club feel like he's worth a punt, then I'm all for it. They know a lot more than me. They will have seen the data. They know what he's good at, what he isn't good at. Um, and he obviously fits the algorithm that we use with Ross Goodwin and Jimmy Dickinson and the team um, in their search for players. Um, And I know for a fact that that search isn't always kept domestically. It is stretched far and wide. Um, So, yeah, they like him. Um, If they like him, that's good enough for me. I don't want to sound like I'm being really negative towards the Green Army tonight. I probably am. I don't know whether it's coming across that way, but I thought some of the reactions towards it were pathetic on social media um, on Friday night. Um, you say this, though, but I didn't see much of it. I saw, like, one or two tweets about not being impressed, but I didn't actually see, like, a huge outpouring of... I said I said some of the reactions, Aaron. I didn't say the widespread condemnation. Oh, okay. That's all right. You know, stop, stop, jump, stop jumping in. Back in your box. You're only the host. <laughs> Surely people would have learned from Cosgrove last year that they know what they're doing. I tweeted the video, didn't I, of Schumacher's comments a year ago today when Cosy got those two late goals at Derby. Um, you know, and it, it rings true. They know what they're doing. Don't slag them off until they kick the ball. 
Um, you know, if after a couple of months that it doesn't look like it's working out, then we can all form an opinion. Um, but I mean, to immediately knee jerk and say that he's not what we need is a bit um bit of a blinkered, narrow-minded view. But hey, they like him, so I'm gonna like him. Um, hopefully he's in the country soon. Get up to speed. God knows what sort of preseason he might have had out in Anderlecht. If he's even had one, it could be another case where we need to give him three or four weeks to get up to grips with English football. He will need time to adapt to English football because the champ playing in the championship will be totally different to playing for Andorra in whatever league they play in. Um, so Spanish second tier. Second tier, there you go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the championships, the Spanish second tier... Um, I don't proclaim to be some sort of genius in the world, but I can guarantee you that the championship is a totally different standard. So give him time, let him acclimatise, let him get used to our system, his teammates, and hopefully he's the option that we need. And we get to keep that one final Willy Wonka golden ticket in our back pocket for January, which is probably the most important um, aspect of the entire transfer. Yeah, annoyingly, that's what that's why Sam. Um, obviously, uh, and on your point of uh, stepping up, he absolutely smashed it in the Midland League for Hereford United. So I have no qualms that he can step up to the championship from there. Smashed it for Nuki as well in, in the 30 minutes he played for them. Um, he played for Nuki for a bit. He definitely scored at least one. Well, It was know. definitely only one game, wasn't it? I think whether it was a full game or half a game or one goal or two goals seems to be a bit in doubt, but it was one game he scored. At least one goal. Yeah. Obviously, we signed Bundu on a permanent, so he must have to cost a few quid. Oh. <laughs> so bad. Permanent signing, as Joe says, obviously keeps a loan slot open for January, which is obviously a wise move. Because it means we can reassess the squad halfway through the season, right, and adapt accordingly. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can know. Um, I mean, I don't get me wrong. Obviously, it, it's good to, to have a slot available for January, but if... We, don't forget, we could have just got somebody on a six-month loan and then decided whether to extend them or not in January. There, there would have always been, have been that possibility. Um, look, I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, opinion on the signing itself, very limited uh, in terms of what I know, um, could you know could well be a good signing. Um, he's clearly got a little bit of something about him. It's a bit of a, maybe a bit of a sort of, you know, master of chaos sort of thing. But again, we're just speculating based on video clips. He could be totally different to what we're expecting. Um I I I am a little bit disappointed we didn't we didn't get somebody in whose whose first edition was striker and that's not saying that we should have got them in instead of Bundu maybe we could have even got them in as well as Bundu and I I still have the sneaking suspicion that even after Bundu was announced we were we were probably scrambling around to find the loan quite late till eleven pm because the media communication manager only tweeted you know good night effectively about an hour hour and a quarter after we announced Bundu so. I, it still wouldn't shock me if we were trying to get a last-minute loan and it didn't quite materialise, um, in all honesty. That, that's, that's what I think happened probably on Friday night. Um, I, I just still think, as much as I've been really positive about the on-field, like I said earlier, five cracking games, Chewbacca is brilliant, the team are brilliant, everything's brilliant, almost everything's brilliant. I'm just a little bit disappointed that, that we didn't you know, get, get a strike in. And it's still a little bit, uh, you know, amusing. We said it after the Huddersfield game, we're sure none of us thought we'd be safe at the end of the window we still have more goalkeepers than strikers in terms of first-choice position. Yes, it seems like Bundu can, can play as a striker if we need him to, but it very much seems like his first position is winger. Um, so we are still kind of left with only Hardy and Wayne 
as our first choice strikers. Let's say one of them got a, you know, not even a horrific injury, but let's say they got a four to six week injury, eight week injury. That leaves a very prolonged spell with only one of them. Plus then Bundy we can play there. Whitaker and Asaka can play there if they really have to, I guess. But that's that's you know, pushing it. And and without without, you know, a bit like Joe, I'm not going to claim to know anything about him, but his highlights reel just makes him look like an absolute pace merchant, which, you know, you could argue Hardy and Wayne are, are blessed with pace as well. Yeah. So they've basically got three similar options doing the same sort of thing. Yeah, quite 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 possibly so. Um and I, I just think it would have been good to get something a little bit different in the door, partly just for pure numbers and also partly like yeah, like you've got to allude to there for a different style. Um you know, um, well, and, uh, yeah, of course, right, of course, it, it's good that we have that loan sort in January, but we could have done, we could have still maintained that if we just got a six month loan and then we could have decided whether or not to have renewed them. So, yeah, a li- little bit disappointed we didn't get a first choice striker, but let's just hope that we get lucky with injuries to Hardy and Wayne and that they don't get injured and that we can continue to, to rotate those two to an extent. Yeah, whilst we've got you, Sam, obviously, you rated the transfer window six out of ten overall. Is, is that predominantly why? The only, the only, the only reason it's not a, it's not at least a seven, maybe even an eight, is I just think the fact that we went that whole window without getting one player in the first choice position of a striker. And yes, I know if John was here now on this podcast, he'd be telling me it was a very over overcrowded market. Um, there were a lot of teams going for striker didn't get them, and I get that. But I just feel that when we we had four strikers at the end of last season, two, you know, one of them didn't come back to his loan. Probably, you know, fair enough. He is a League One player, Cosgrove, with all due respect. And obviously one of them was tempted away by better facilities elsewhere. There we go, Aaron, four out of four. Um we, we, we really could have done with getting getting a striker in. We like our our need for a striker was probably more urgent than the need of Ipswich, Millwall, Cardiff, whatever. Um because yes, you could say all these things were going for a striker, but I think we really needed one. So I think we should have should have made it our business to absolutely ensure we got a striker in no matter what, even if it meant, you know, having a bit less money put back for January even if it meant having one or fewer on loan or, or somewhere. I think the, the balancing was, was not quite right. And I think in truth, um, you know, of course, you know, in the public, they'll, they'll try and hype it out, but it's quite right that they should because they're representing the club. But I think Schumacher and Juicelip will be probably a bit annoyed that we didn't get a, a, a recognised striker in during the window. That's why it's only a six. I don't get me wrong. It's, if it's, it's a high-end six. It's, it's a six, that I would say... If you forced the gun to my head and said, "Is it more, you know, maybe more like a seven or more like a five? Yes, it's more like a seven because uh, Pegafolo and Gibson, you know, could be very good. At, could be very good addition centre back. We've obviously invested hugely in the future with with bringing back Mumba and Whitaker on permanence. Kundal looks a good loan signing. Tessa Hayden looks a good loan signing. Hazard is increasingly good as a keeper. Oh, you know what? I'm almost talking myself into giving it a seven out loud, but it, it's just the lack of striker. That's why it's certainly no higher than a seven. Uh, this is more of a conversation between the four of us rather than a, a direct question to anyone because I haven't written this down. I've only just remembered it. But I think, Joe, you were saying, you were highlighting about the, the fans forum, the, the comments that Juicenet made there, which were, or maybe Schumacher made there, that were, that were very out of context for, for them. They were almost low-esque in the fact that saying about, you know, wait until you see who we're signing, it's going to be you know, an incredible name. Uh, unless, unless Mustafa Bundu was, you know, was going to be this incredible name, but but... 
I think that, actually, that one's going to be somebody who who went on to fall through. I'm I'm almost certain of that. Yeah, but absolutely it, it's sure. almost it's, it's just more a statement on the fact that it's such a weird move from them to like. Agreed. We, we came to expect those sort of things from Low, you know, these big outlandish statements or whatever. But like, you know, it's we we don't really expect that from Shuey. Is that a uh, the comment you're referring to from the fans forum was made by Neil Jusnit, but I think it's somewhat been misquoted or misunderstood a little bit because I, th- as I remember it, he said that if the business we're trying to get done happens now, then you'll all be excited. So it wasn't a case of, oh, look who we're signing, look at this name and all that. It was if we get this deal done. Um, so I think... So that's that's suggesting that there's there was a different player that, than Josh Coburn for Plan A, surely, because... Yeah, 100%, yeah. And I wouldn't even be sure that that player was even Plan A. Mm-hmm. Um, Schumacher referred to it um, when he was talking about the signing of Mustafa Bundu, that um, you got to remember when everyone's in the market for a striker, no matter how many you've got, you, you always want one more. Um, and... The problem is when all 24 clubs in the championship went into this season needing a striker and they're all sat around the metaphorical bid, bidding table, hello, guess who the lowest payers are? That's your issue. And, you know... I should call out Robert about that. <laughs> well, clearly not because they went and got a well, club yeah. record transfer for Sam Nombe, didn't they? So it's straight... I get... I don't... And to be honest with you, I disagree totally with Sam's take on the transfer window um i think it's a lot better than six out of ten albeit i was a little bit mr negative on wednesday and thursday about the whole situation but i just think we all have to have a reality pill in the sense that and i said this after tuesday night you know essentially until we are stabilized in the championship we are just a league one team who is currently playing in the championship until we have a sta- until we've had one full season in the championship and then we're going into our second season, that's when you become a championship club, in my opinion. Um, and we, you know, our budget has increased, but you know, some of the names that were linked, shall we say, I think we all had to be a little bit realistic with it and realize that whilst we'd have loved to have brought in some of the players that we were linked with. Um, I think realistically, Josh Coburn would have been a perfect fit for us with the way we do our transfers and the way we play. Um, you know, I'd love to know who the player was that Neil Jusnit was talking about that was exciting and, you know, we'd all enjoy watching whatever the comment was. But, um, you know, the the basic fact of it is we are the lowest, we were going to be the lowest payers at the table for all the players that we were in for and trying to get to the football club. So um, until we appreciate and accept our place in the food chain, these sorts of situations may become a little bit more frequent. Dan, is there anything you want to add on the transfer window? Um, just to say I'm I'm more towards the Joe end than the Sam end of um, kind of saying it's been better than a six out of 10 window for me. I don't want to um, say the Joe Bell end out loud, but I've done it. Go on. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that's going to be an awkward cut, isn't it? <laughs> when we drop two million quid on two players, having not previously spent anything like that in a transfer window, other than maybe 
January 2008 when Paul Sturrock decided to bring in a load of Scottish rubbish for about that. It's just, you cannot possibly give that a 6 out of 10. So that's, I, I would certainly say... You've talked me round to a 7, but I, I won't accept the slander of Jim, of Jim Patterson of Scottish rubbish. Jim, Jim Patterson with a quality, if slightly injury-prone player. But uh, the rest Even of Even for, cha- for the championship, Sam? I like the championship. Chris Clark, <laughs> Steve McLean... Yeah, better, well, better than McLean, who you stuck up for at that time, if I remember rightly. But yeah, he well, was, yeah. Well, and it's also worth saying that we only we only really spent all that money because we'd received a hell of a lot of money by selling Gosling, Ebanks, Blake, etc. So Nor- yeah. Norris, yeah. yeah, I know that he was he was only on deadline day, but we we all knew he was getting that window. It was just a question of getting the deal done. But yeah, no, I yeah, sorry for the little revelation to the two thousand eight. Um, uh, if, if the listeners were still awake, they probably weren't after that. But, uh, no, I, I think that makes fair points. And I think you just about talked me down to a seven, but I absolutely think it can't be higher than a seven for me just because we're, we're, we're two strikers down from on the t- on the squad that ended last season. As good as the rest of it has been, if, and again, I know this is worst case scenario, it probably won't happen. One of those two, particularly if it was Hardy, goodness, I mean, God forbid, wrap him up and got a ball. If Hardy were to miss any significant long length of time through injury, that, gen- that, that lack of bringing in a striker genuinely could cost us a lot of points, in my opinion. So let's just hope he stays fit, wrap him up and got a ball, and hope that, you know, whatever slight missteps we made in not getting the striker deal done, we learn from, because I'm sure we will, because we're a very self-reflective club. We're a club who strides for excellence in all areas, and I'm sure we will learn from it. But I still think, as good as all the other stuff was, I still think failing to bring in a recognised striker does bring a dampener on it. One final word about that: maybe we will dip into the free agent market. There's always still that possibility. Anybody, any player who was a free agent by the end of the transfer window, we we could yet sign and we could yet register. And I think we could still register them anything up to the second or third week of November. There's always those players that seem to, after the window closes, sort of like part ways with their club, aren't they? But obviously looking for a free agent move. So um, maybe well, 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 that's the point. If, if they if they parted after the window's closed, they wouldn't be able to because um, you have to be a free agent by the end of the window to, to then be able to sign outside of the window. But it, right. it's, it's more often not they, they kind of become a free agent on the last day or two of the window to enable that to happen. But there's still a few of them. I think Andy Carroll was one, but I think he's going to going to France so he's going down south but not a little bit further south than than Plymouth yeah there's there's Andre Gray as well but you know I I, I just don't see that I just don't see a club like ours taking gambles on on players that are you know past it let's be honest expects big wages compared to the rest of our squad so I just can't see that but I think that's that's pretty much it any other businesses a 100% win record carries on for Argyle's academy side after a 4-1 win over Bournemouth, goals from Jack Matthews, Josh Bernard, and that man himself, Freddie Osaka, got two penalties. Um, Argyle women, as I mentioned in the intro, succumbed to a 7-1 defeat at the hands of Ipswich Town. Uh, not the best day for them, but genuinely some bright moments in the game. That will be a very long journey home that I'm sure they're still on. Um, obviously, we have Ryan Lowe's Preston up next, but we won't we won't talk about that just yet. Um, international break. We, we, there's there's not a gap, listener. Uh, we've got a, a new feature called My Argyle Life coming out. Uh, looking very forward, uh, looking very forward, and looking forward to that uh, hitting your ears. And and do let us know uh, what you think of that. But I think apart from that, it's all good. Wrap that up here, can we? 
I'm still waiting for people to send in their suggestions so we can change the LA 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 chant. Um, yeah, there was there was a, a... there was a Twitter question on that today, but I feel like we've covered that. Um, actually, let's find it quickly. Whilst we, let's talk about whilst we're talking about Preston, really quickly, let me move my fingers. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Questions there. Uh, it's from um, not a troll. Um, okay, that makes me laugh every time. Uh, are you desperate for as me? For us to not sing the LA 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 at Preston. If a team came to us and had a song all about us and our manager, there'd be an outpouring of rent free and Argyle and Massive from the Green Army. I don't want to give them that satisfaction. 90 minutes of shoeies at the wheel. That'll do me. Or a similar uh, repertoire of what we had at um, MK Dons Away without repeating any of those on uh, podcast. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll be honest with you. Um, and again, I know it's easy for me to say because I don't really sing at home games. At away games, I get stuck in and join in at home games. I sit in block one. I prefer a bit more sedate atmosphere for home games. Um, so I know this is very much rich of me to criticise the fans who make an effort to make a noise when I'm not one of them at home games. But I've never liked that chant. I, I really haven't. I think it, it's just... It, again, I, 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 I may get a bit of stick for this, for, for, for moaning about our fans who make an effort to sing, but... I just don't like that chant too much. I think when, when you're singing about you went to Preston, but we don't give a F, you, but, you know, fill in the rest, where we're, we're basically saying that we do give an F, you know what, aren't we? Because why would we mention it and why would we make such a thing out of it if if we didn't? Um, and yeah, you know what? There, there's nothing wrong with, with giving Ryan Lowe a bit of stick, in, in my opinion. Um, can I think, you know, what he, he did, you know, shall we say, ruffle a few feathers with some of the comments he made after his left and in the manner that he left. So I don't think there's anything wrong with giving him a bit of stick, but... You beat me to it, Dan. You beat me to it. <laughs> yes. That was definitely going to be edited out, but that was very good. Uh, anyway, yeah. But, but that chant, when we were singing it at the height of the promotion push, and look, you know, clearly it got the Green Army excited and it got the fans singing loudly, and I'd rather they be singing that than singing nothing, but... It is not a chant that I have ever been a great lover of, and I, I do hope that we can. Um, the thing is, I, I don't. Why well, don't think we can do is change the lyrics to it? Because then we'll be left in the situation of some people singing the old lyrics and some singing the new, and that would just be chaotic. So I think we'll like we either have to ditch it entirely, or we have to stick with it. Um, like with the mumba, when people all chant mumba at different times, <laughs> they, 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 we're still not quite mastered, mastered how to do that one, have we? But, um, you say that I quite like the fact that you have you know, four different rounds of Mumba. And also Arsenal fans really struggle to do it with Saliba too. So it's not just a, it's not just a West Country problem. But I think we'll call that a night. Yeah? Seems good nice. to me. Yeah, all good. All good. Cheers, guys. Cheers, mate. Cheers, all. Cheers, Aaron. That's the end of another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. Before you go, please make sure you drop us a review on whichever podcast platform you are using. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at ArgoLife1886. Cheers. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club. Because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. 
That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.